Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myth about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I am joined by Nicole Greer as Principal coach and CEO of Build a Vibrant Culture, Nicole Greer helps individuals, corporations, government, faith-based organizations, and nonprofits become the people they were created to be through fulfilling a mission to work in teams and exemplify vibrant leadership. Nicole is a serious entrepreneur with experience in coaching, marketing, mastering first impressions, learning and development and sales. Nicole, welcome to the show. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm excited actually to have you because we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, which is culture in the workplace. And Mm -hmm. I love how you specifically came up with the idea of a vibrant culture. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But before we do, have you ever burned out? Oh, my goodness. Haven't we all? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I would say my burnout story, you know, occurred when I was working inside of a a company where I think we lost our way. We didn't have a direction and we didn't have a leader with great passion. And what I believe about a vibrant culture is that the leader has to be lit from within and that heat that energy, that light has to emanate from that leader. And then the other people catch on fire, you know, they get vibrant. And so I was inside a company where that leader had just kind of like, I don't know, given up or lost their why or made enough money. I don't know. But the reality is, is that I think a lot of people are burnt out. That light goes out because they don't have proper leadership. You get up in the morning anyways and look in the mirror, I hope, before you go to work. And so you look in the mirror and you you say to yourself, you know, I, I don't think I have passion for what I do and I've got to find a new place. And so you've either got to start something new or go somewhere new. And so that's what I did. I started something new and I thought, you know, Nicole, you can sit around and you can say, other leaders need to get their act together or can lead yourself really well. And so that's when build a vibrant culture. And so now I absolutely am passionate about what I do and I am lit from within and I'm on a mission. And I think there's a huge part of your work being missional, meaning that, you know, at your core, this is the work you're supposed to be doing on planet Earth in this lifetime. That's really powerful. So just to kind of recap what you said Part of why you experienced burnout was because you were working in a setting where your leader 
was maybe burned out or just didn't show up with any sort of passion fire. And you think that there's this trickle down effect that happens that if the person leading you is kind of burned out or just not really vibrant, then everybody underneath that person is no longer vibrant as well. And I love what you said about you either have to go somewhere new or you have to start something new, right? So that you can find that fire elsewhere, perhaps. And you did that. And so now you're on this mission to help other companies find that fire and build that vibrant culture. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm on a mission to do. And I think that people are really confused about culture. In fact, you know, I've got like some myths I'd like to debunk about these things. And so the first myth is this idea that, you know, we're going to a company or an organization would say, we're going to work on the culture. Now, you can work on the culture, but you can't work on the culture, meaning the way that you work on the culture, the way that you get change is you work on people one person at a time. And so oftentimes I'll draw on a whiteboard for people like a big circle and I'll call that big circle the culture. And then inside of the culture, we have what I call climates, little teeny climates. And the climate is around everybody who has a team of people and around in that little team of people is either shining bright, they are doing great work, they are impacting the bottom line, and they're staying innovative and they're staying creative. And guess what? They actually love what they're doing. So let's say the marketing department is doing fantastic work, right? They've got a leader who's excited, comes in, sheds light during the day, gets people on a trajectory where they know that they're going to be successful. Everybody's got integrity and they're transforming the ordinary. That's what I mean by lit. But then let's say that the marketing department has to have a meeting with the sales department and the sales department is a little dark. Okay. And that is because (laughs) the leader over there is a curmudgeon. Do you know what a curmudgeon is? Like somebody who can't change, somebody won't ever change, somebody that should probably, you know, find another role. And so the sales department in general is pretty unhappy. So in walks the exciting, you know, marketing people or they're showing up on Zoom and the marketing people are excited. We're going to have a problem because the sales department does not have that same energy, that same leadership. And they're definitely not on the same page. And I bet you there are many listeners who are like, oh, my gosh, I can tell you which two departments, one that's on fire, one that's vibrant and one that's not. And really, it's going to be a test of wills, you know, and what I really think needs to happen, which I don't think happens a lot, Sharon, is that the leader of the marketing department needs to go have a conversation with the leader in the sales department, see if she or he can get that person lit again. And so it's really about the leaders having the right energy, having the right philosophy, and they are the change agents for change. So that's the first myth. You don't work on the culture, you work on the leaders inside the culture and inside those little climates. I love your analogies to light and dark and Mm -hmm. climates within the culture and this idea of one person at a time and the leaders have to kind of light up the other leaders. So... I guess the question is, if I'm a leader, let's say of marketing, and my leader of sales is not really like they're in a dark place or what have you, what can I do 
so that I impact them and light them up as opposed to their energy affect me and bring me down? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think the number one thing is the marketing leader, you, Sharon, have to have superior emotional intelligence. So you've got to remember that there are four things in emotional intelligence. One is I've got to self-manage, right? So no matter what happens in this conversation with the leader over in sales, I'm going to smile. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be awesome. All right. And I'm going to respect that leader in sales, although I want him or her to get their act together. All right. And the second thing is that, you know, I want to assess myself before I go in there. You know, am I prepared? Am I ready to go? Do I have everything I need? Do I know what I want to say? I'm not just going to go in there and say, what's wrong with the sales department? You know, like I've got to have a thought process. And I think then I begin a relationship with that sales leader. And I say, you know, we really need to meet more often and we need to talk about getting our teams on the same page. You know, I'm super passionate about where we're going, but you know, I sense that you need help and I want to help. So this thing of building relationships and helping your peers, I think there's this weird thing out there, Sharon, where like, well, I'm not in charge of him. Why do I go talk right. to him? And it's yeah. like, you have to go thinking. talk to him. Yeah. 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 Like everybody just has to stay in their bubble and their lane or however you want to call it. And we're not thinking big picture of like, how can we get this entire project or this entire company moving in the right direction? We have to work together. Mm-hmm. Right. I loved how I you said the state of mind that you have to be in when you go into that conversation. I think that's actually really powerful because basically you're mm-hmm. saying you've got to be strategic about this. You have to go in, set the intention ahead of time that I am going to have my quote unquote boundaries in place so that I'm not affected and that I am coming in with the idea of holding that person, having space for that person and seeing if I can help move them forward or inspire them or having some sort of positive impact on them. I think it's a really nice way of thinking about how to strategically show up and really move the needle in the right direction. So that's a great tip. Thank you so much for that. So that was really the first myth. Of course. What else do people think about when it comes to culture that they're getting all wrong? Yeah. Well, I know that people are out there thinking this based on what I just shared. They're like, well, my guy in sales or operations or wherever, whatever, wherever this guy or gal is, they go, he's never going to change. Right. Right. So it's like that helplessness. Oh my gosh. Yes. You're exactly right. Yeah. And here's the truth. I have been coaching people since 2007. And so that's not a a hugely long time, but it's not a short period of time either. I've had a lot of clients and a lot of folks in the coaching seat across from me. And I have seen tremendous change in people. And the truth of the matter is people just have blind spots. Okay. So that's probably a phrase people have heard blind spots, but like it's little dark areas, you know, it's like a little part of my brain. I've never thought about things this way before, you know, and just bottom line, Sharon, sometimes people have never been taught things, you know, Uh, and it's like a lot of times it's all from like your upbringing, you know, and people say, I shouldn't have to teach people to do, to, to be kind. And I'm like, well, if they work for you and they didn't get the message from mama, you do have to teach them to be kind or teach them to smile or teach them to not interrupt everybody. Yesterday, I was on a phone call with a young man and he is a chronic interrupter. And so I went with him privately and I said, I would like to share 
some truth telling honesty and candor with you and he was like what <laughs> no i could be his mother and i said i really care about you and i said do you believe that and he goes yes and i said okay you have got to stop interrupting everybody just relax you're going to get your voice heard i promise we want to hear your voice you got a lot of genius and so, you know, at first I saw his talking about emotional intelligence. I saw him get hijacked by his amygdala, which is your lizard brain. And I know he was thinking, who are you to tell me, you know, this? But, you know, at the end of the day, another thing that builds a vibrant culture, that passion, you know, underneath all that is like love, right? So, like, I don't want this kid to end up. I mean, I say kid, I'm 56. You know, he, I don't know, he's probably 30 or something. And, and I don't want him to go through his whole career being known as the interrupter. And right. so I shared that with him. And I think, again, if you're practicing emotional intelligence, you're building that relationship, doing social awareness, and, you know, and I'm being assertive, but not aggressive with him. And it's all rooted in love because I want this kid to be successful, but people aren't going to listen to his ideas if he doesn't stop interrupting everybody in the meetings. So, you know, hopefully he'll change. And I think that's another thing that helps you get people lit is you have to be constantly working on people's performance instead of tolerating poor performance. So people can change. They just need a safe place to receive feedback or to be coached so that they can see what would make them better. And here's the thing. I don't think there's anybody on the planet Okay, maybe there's like a small percentage, but I, most of us are like, want to do well, want to do better. And if somebody can help us, then we're glad to hear it. But you got to deliver it in the right way. It takes a lot of good communication skills. That's really key. And I'm so glad that you also gave us this example because it had a very specific script that you use to talk to this kid or this this 30 year old kid right who's not really a kid but it's important because yeah yeah one he no, needs to he's hear a young it. man thank you for helping me yes one he needs to hear it because it's going to affect not just the people around him who keep getting frustrated by his interrupting but it's going to affect him ultimately because it's kind of a form of sabotage if you think about it like he's coming from a place of I want to be heard. And yet when people feel like he keeps cutting me off, then you don't want to hear him. Right. So in the end, he's going to get the opposite of what he wants. But it's also important mm -hmm. how you deliver that message, because somebody like that can very easily become defensive about their behavior. And so I love just how sweet you are when you talk to him. <laughs> Right. It's very gentle. Yeah. It's very soothing. It's very safe. And I think that's right. so key. Right. So right, what you're doing is you're not just saying, listen, guys, emotional intelligence is super important. You're also exemplifying what is it like to lead with emotional intelligence? So if you have to have those difficult conversations, how can you do that with kindness and love and make the person lower their defenses so they can be open to receiving that feedback? That is really important. Hmm, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for your kind words. You know, but I think that people can change, but they're not going to have like, you know, an epiphany sitting at their desk. You've got to help them. Right. So that's the second minute. So the first one is you work on the people 
which works on the culture. And then you have to understand that people can change. But I hear all the time, people, he's never going to change. And then the third myth is that we can delegate this culture change to some department. <laughs> so people are like, we're going to have the organizational development people do this, the OD department, if you've got a huge organization, or we're going to let the learning and development team, we're going to get everybody training, or we're going to let the HR guys and gals handle it. And they can certainly head up, put the project together, lay out the strategy. But again, it's got to come from the CEO all the way to the front line. And one of the weird things that, that I experience is that I have CEOs that once they get to that level or the CFO or the COO or all the C's and the O's, those people, they kind of feel like, well, I've got VPs to do this stuff. You know, I got to do the big stuff or whatever, but there's nothing bigger than culture. You know, Agreed. I'm sorry, even if you're an introvert, I've heard every excuse. I'm an introvert. I don't have time. All the stuff is you've got to get rid of your excuses. I mean, like just bottom line <laughs> and say, what's on the CEO's agenda today? Culture, profit, you know, stakeholders, whatever. But I promise you, if you have a vibrant culture, people who are lit from within, you'll make money because oh we God, get up so and true. we want to go to work and do stuff. Yeah, it's essentially the opposite of burnout, right? We're saying burnout 100%. is your flame has kind of gotten extinguished. And you're talking about how to light people up. So yeah, you can be that workhorse and you can show up and just focus on productivity and getting stuff done. But let me tell you, if you're burned out, at some point, something's got to give you got foggy brain, you're going to be in a bad mood, you're going to have mood swings. You're going to have a hard time focusing and concentrating. Your productivity is going to get affected sooner or later. So doing the opposite, which is not just focused on bottom line, but focusing on how to nurture the people so that they're loving coming to work and they're passionate and excited about the projects that they're working on, I think can only inspire more productivity and creativity and ultimately increase the bottom line. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to share this. I'm not like some kind of narcissist over here, but I had the most incredible conversation yesterday. Can I share that with you? Of course. So I have a gentleman that I met, you know, while I'm out training and doing the things that I do. And his name is Earl. And so Earl and I had a conversation. He's like, I don't know what I need to do, but I would like to somehow work with you. I love the work that you're doing. And this was about three months ago. And I'm like, okay, well, let me think about how we could do that and this kind of thing. And yesterday I introduced him on a phone call to Kent, one of the gentlemen that works with me. And this is what Earl said. He said, you know, Kent, Nicole is contagious. And that's like, I passed my light on to him. You know, I hate to think I'm like a virus or something. So, you know, the B stands for vibrant, not virus. But he's like, you know, just being around your mom is contagious. And Aww. Kent's my son. He works in my company. And so that's what I'm talking about. You know, that's awesome. It's that, like, I don't know if anybody in here has ever been at an event where like you're holding a sparkler, like at a wedding you know, yeah, have you ever yeah, done yeah. the sparklers at a wedding? And like, you know, I put my sparkler that's lit next to your sparkler and then everybody's sparkler lights up, you know, and then we're going to celebrate this couple. I mean, like, 
that's how work should be. You know, a lot yeah. of times I'll talk to people about this very simple coaching model. Like it's so simple, it's ridiculous. But when I went through my little coaching training away in the way back, there was this little thing called the feeling scale. Mm-hmm. And at the top of the feeling scale, the master coach put the word euphoria. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom of the feeling scale, the master coach put suicidal. And that's not even funny because I'm going to tell you, it's suicides up. Uh, so there's this scale. And, and he said, every coachee you work with, and hear me, people, every employee you have is somewhere on this feeling scale. Mm-hmm. And the goal of the leader, you should hire people who know how to do accounting, marketing, operations, whatever the stuff is, customer service. It's really not the doing of the tasks or putting my skills to work, the leader needs to get that person up the feeling scale. Because here's what I know. When I'm feeling good, I work hard. I have a little pep in my step. And so I get cooking. Now, sometimes I do need training. You know, I need to know how to greet the customer. I need to know how to do social media. I need to know how to, you know, balance the books or whatever. But typically, we hire people with these skills already. It's really just about pushing them towards euphoria. And sometimes I'll say to teams, I've got teams in a training room, and I'm training them on leadership or whatever it is, emotional intelligence. And I'll say, when's the last time you were euphoric at work? And people are like scratching their heads. The leader creates a culture, an environment, a setting, a place where we go up the feeling scale. Uh, We are celebrating things and we are creating wins and we are performing at higher levels. That's exciting. That takes us up. Yeah. So it's really important to work with these leaders so that they can first start the work on themselves, I imagine. And then that can trickle down from them. And it's funny how you talked about being contagious. I used to have clients (laughs) who, because I help people a lot with their mindset, right? So a lot of my clients struggle with negative self-talk and they're very self-critical. And so they're like mm-hmm. their own worst enemy. So a lot of times after I work with them, they'll say, I just hear you in the back of my mind. So they're like, adopt my voice. <laughs> which I think it's really great. Right. So like your work can live on, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I love what you're saying. And, you know, here's the thing is these people that have this negative self-talk, this has probably been around since their childhood. Right. Like there's something has always kind of been in there and they didn't have you or a support person in their life to help them change how their neural passageways are connected. Because the way I understand the brain, but you correct me, is that we have neural passageways and they are like locked and loaded. There's these little things called ganglia hanging off our neurons and we think a certain way and you need a helper. You need a leader. You need a coach. You need a doctor to help you rip apart your bad dendrite connections <laughs> and rewire that sucker so that brain that has that new fresh mindset. And again, you know, this part about people won't change, not if somebody doesn't sit them down and talk to them and help them and love on them. And then they can. Yeah. I would say two things. One is the person has to want to change. 100%. And sometimes we have people who are open to change, but they just don't know what to do. And then, so that's where the second part comes in, which is then they have to know what to do, right? Now, sometimes they don't even know that there's something that's possible for them to change, 
right? That happens too, where people are just like, oh, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. So I'll give an example. So <clears throat> I was having a conversation yesterday with one of my clients and he's this doer, right? He's always going out there and he's got to do something all the time. And he's very busy. And even on vacation, he's got a plan, like all the activities he's going to do all the time. And so we talked about self-care and he says, you know, I don't really do self-care because I'm not the kind of person to just sit around and do nothing. Because, you know, he's thinking self-care is like meditation. So I said, okay, hold on. What is your definition of self-care? Right? And he said, oh, it's when you just kind of relax and don't do anything. And I'm like, so I'm just going to put this into chat GPT. I'm like, give me the definition of self-care, right? Because I want you to hear like what it actually is. And it's actually something that you do for your physical, mental, and emotional well-being, which can be, as I like to say, two things. I think self-care is important in terms of, one, giving you your energy back, and two, is de-stressing you, right? You're supposed to like have different kinds of activities that you do that do both things. So you got to get your energy back and you got to have less stress because sometimes we're focused on the wrong thing at the wrong time. So we might get energy and then we try to go to sleep, but we haven't de-stressed. And then when we're like wired and tired, we can't fall asleep, right? So it's just like changing his definition that allowed him to embrace the idea of self-care because it was like, oh, it's not just what I thought it was. I can actually do something, right? Like I can be productive and work out. That counts. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's right. Like hike a mountain, dude. It's cool. But like stop, you know, every coach should have a coach. Or yes. I think they're kind of like a hypocrite. I'm just saying, because I For got sure. one. I got two. And so my coach says, you know, you need to have a true free day. And it is a day where you don't touch your email, you don't answer your phone, you are 100% pulled away from your work. And he said, you have to do that so that you come back to the work fresh. Yes. And one of the things that, you know, people who are like this gentleman you're referring to is like, you know, plan the day, but make sure it doesn't have any work in it. You know, like, I'm going to get up, I'm going to make eggs, I'm going to, you know, walk the dog, I'm going to hike a mountain, I'm going to go to a shower, go out to dinner, and then I'm going to see, uh, you know, a Broadway show, whatever, you know, like pack it in there, but make sure it's something that's fantastic and just for you. Yeah. So it's really important for us to work on our emotional intelligence. And we need somebody like you to show us what it's all about, because we've all heard about emotional intelligence and how important it is, but we don't really necessarily understand what it is or how to get there. I mean, I think by now everybody knows, and if they don't, I'm going to say it one more time, that you know they've shown that EQ is more important in the workplace than your IQ. But it's like, so do I have EQ and how do I get more of it? You know, And so you need somebody like Nicole to come in and coach you so that you as a leader have better understanding of yourself and other people so that you can get lit up and have that kind of trickle down to everybody else in your team and build that vibrant culture. Mm -hmm. So Nicole, this has been really enlightening and I love anytime we can talk about culture. I think it's such an important topic. So thank you so much. One for being here and two mm -hmm. for the work that you do in the world. Cause it's very much needed. 
Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm on a mission. So I'm grateful. I even get to show up every day and do something I'm totally passionate about and contagious about. (laughs) There you go. I love that. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for having me on the show. This has been great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for people who are listening to this and they want you to be that virus and, you know, get a little bit of your contagion, where should they go? (laughs) It's real simple. Just go to buildavibrantculture.com. Fantastic. What a great website. So I wish you so much luck, Nicole, with the work that you do, because as I said, it's something that we really, really need in the workplace. I'm glad that you have companies that are taking this seriously and that are hiring you to do this work. And I am absolutely certain that when they're done working with you, that will absolutely explode their business. I have no doubts. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's what we want to do. Help people do more together. Absolutely. So for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you're a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. And if you're ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com. And I'll see you right back here next week. Bye, everybody.